in this season between Easter and Pentecost, we're thinking about what it means to move forward from believers to disciples to apostles. And last week, this week, and next Sunday, we're really focusing on that first movement, moving forward from believers to disciples. Last week, we talked about the idea that um, to be a disciple is to be obedient, right? To be obedient. Uh, and um, actually, I was in a meeting this week, and somebody said, hey, what was the sermon about last week? And someone else said, oh, I'm pretty sure it was about the Karate Kid. Um, <laughs> just not wrong, okay? Uh, and, and actually, um, I, 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 I kind of like that answer, because one of the things I want to communicate in this uh, series of conversations is that we don't have a great cultural context for what it means to be the disciple of a rabbi. I mean, Obviously, in Jesus' day, everybody understood that, but we don't have very many relationships that are like that in our world. And so, we're, we're going to Daniel LaRusso and Mr. Miyagi because they really model what that looks like really well for us so we can put some flesh on this idea of what it means to accept Jesus as Lord. Okay, so having understood that, uh, we're going to begin with a little Karate Kid again. And um, just so you know what's going on, Daniel, near the beginning of the movie, Daniel has been uh, bullied a little bit, got uh, beaten up by some boys. They, they broke his bicycle. He came home very upset, threw his broken bicycle in the dumpster. A day or so later, he comes home from school and he sees his bicycle repaired uh, and sitting outside his home. And he puts two and two together and realizes that the handyman where he lives must have done it. And that's where we pick up. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Are those real trees? Do you like see? Come inside. Thanks. I think it's so small. I train. Creep here, tie there. Where'd you learn how, Japan? Okinawa. Come, you try. No, I don't know how to do this stuff. No, 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 sit down. No, no, I may mess it up. I don't want to mess it up or something. Think only tree. Make a perfect picture down to rust pine needle. Remember picture? Yeah. Make a right picture. Hiya, champ. Hey, Let me see. What are you doing? Oh, I'm trimming my uh, baby tree here. <laughs> Bonsai tree. Bonsai tree. Bonsai. Bonsai. They're beautiful. Yeah, Mr. Miyagi learned in Okinawa. That's where he's from. Really? So delicate. <laughs> me? I, I couldn't. Oh, please, uh, hurt the feeling. That's very nice. Thank you. Welcome. I know just where it'll go. Uh, come on, it's getting late. Hi, Ma. I'll be up in a half hour. No, we gotta go now. School tomorrow. Uh, thank you for everything. Welcome. Oh, don't forget to dream. Must practice. Oh, thank you. Sayonara. Sayonara. Good night. Hey, thanks again. I'll see you. 
you mind. You know, he gave you the nicest one. This guy is something else. Did you see? You saw what he did to my bike. This guy is great. Okay, a few things I want you to notice about that interaction. Uh, I first, I hope you notice what triggers it, right? It's, it's the kindness of Mr. Miyagi that, in fixing the bike that precipitates that whole thing. Um, scripture says his kindness will lead us to repentance. Uh, and, and then he shows up at Mr. Miyagi's door, and you notice what he said? He, he said, uh, you want see, come inside. Right? And it reminds me of the call of Jesus to the disciples, right? Come and see, come and see. Come and see. Uh, and then they spend this time doing, I, I don't know, like micro gardening or something. I don't know what you call that. Um, and I got to tell you, I, I would assume that for most high school teenage boys, um, spending an hour or more and then begging your parents for more time for micro gardening is a sort of abnormal thing, right? If this was home ec class, they would have been um, furious that they had to waste their time cutting these trees. What, what he loves about this moment is not the trees, right? It's, it's the time with this guy, right? Something about being with this guy is so compelling that even trimming trees becomes something he wants to prolong, right? How much longer can I do this? This is a huge idea for us, okay? As we think about what it means to be uh, a, a disciple and not just a believer, uh, a core component of that is this idea of wanting to be together with our Lord. David says it like this, one thing I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. David goes on to say, um, I want to see your face, right? That, this intimacy, your face, O Lord, do I seek. And then I believe I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What makes King David such an incredible figure in Scripture is not that he's obedient, right? Now, he is sometimes, but his disobedience is pretty profound. What makes him incredibly special in the story of Scripture is his desire for togetherness with God. Now, and it may be that there is nobody up to this point in Scripture that ever has such a heart for just being with the Lord. And all of his prayers and his psalms capture that, even in the worst parts of his life, even when he makes his biggest mistakes, his first response is to go be with God again, right? He wants to go in the temple and pray and be in God's presence. Now, this idea of, of the togetherness with God that David models reflects God's heart for us. That's why God says, he's a man after my own heart. Because the whole story of Scripture is about God wanting to be together with us. From creation when the Father, the Son, and the Spirit made us for togetherness with themselves uh, to the story of Abraham through Malachi where God took one people on the earth and He prepared them and taught them of what it meant to be in His presence to the story of Jesus where God literally became one of us to be together with us all the way up to our story where God the Holy Spirit chooses to live inside us that the temple that was once in Jerusalem is now every one of us. God's greatest desire is to be with us. Uh, there are times in our lives we don't always feel that, right? There are times where uh, we can experience what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul, where we feel isolated or alone or forgotten. 
But the heart of our faith is that even when we feel uh, that we're in that dark night, we know that ultimately God's desire is for us and that somehow out of that fire, we will be forged anew, stronger and more faithful and more able to follow and be with God. The, The question for us is not, does God want to be with us? But I think more profoundly, do we want to be together with Him? Because this has been our challenge, right, all along, from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane, we are always running away from God. And we run away from God in all kinds of ways. Uh, Sometimes we run away from God because there's something negative in our life that we want more than we want to be with Him. Uh, And that can be all kinds of things. It can be my desire for recognition or wealth. It can be my pursuit of pleasure. It can be uh, an addiction I I can't seem to change and don't put the effort forward to get help with. Um, There's a host of things that I can say, you know, Jesus, I'm sure you'd be great, but I'm going to leave that little red balloon tied up here in the church today because I got stuff I want to do and I don't feel comfortable bringing you along with me. But sometimes the reverse is true. Sometimes um, it's not just bad stuff that makes us not want to be together with Jesus. Sometimes there are are good things that we we misunderstand their importance and we raise them up above the importance of being with Jesus. This is, by the way, what's going on with Martha and Mary. Martha isn't doing something bad, right? Martha's not, you know, drinking alcohol in the back room while Mary's talking with Jesus, Martha's getting the meal ready, right? She's serving Jesus. She's serving her sister. We don't know. Maybe there's a crowd coming, and Jesus is going to teach to the crowd as He often does over a meal, and so she's actually helping with evangelism, right? To, to get the, she's doing important work, but it's just not as important as what Mary's doing. And, and this is the challenge uh, for us, I think, so often is yeah, absolutely. We, we get hung up on the bad things. I don't want to belittle that. But it's so much easier to get hung up on the good things. Right? So much easier for us to say, hey, all of this stuff that is good can become my main focus instead of secondary to being with Jesus. Interesting, this story is about Martha and Mary. Um, there's another story in the Gospel of John about these two sisters as well. Um, they're in the home of Lazarus. It's after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And Mary, knowing that it's near the end of Jesus' earthly life, takes a jar of perfume that's incredibly expensive. And she breaks the jar and she pours it on his feet. And then she wipes his feet with her hair. And there are those in the crowd who say, why did she do that? Right? We, We could have taken that perfume, we could have sold it and given that money to the poor. And Jesus says, you will always have the poor with you. You will not always have me. Jesus isn't saying, don't care for the poor. He's saying, your love for others will stem from your love for me. Your ability to be graceful and compassionate and bring hope and promise and joy to others will come from your togetherness with me. And so that has to be your first priority, I've had conversations with friends uh, who have often said to me, well, you know, Jim, I, you know, I, I'm just not that into 
the Bible study thing. I'm not that into the, the, the worship thing, but boy, I love serving people. And if you give me the opportunity to serve, I am all over it. And my response is, well, serving is really good. Right? Jesus calls us to do it often. Uh, and in fact, he even tells us that we can meet him when we serve other people. But how will you recognize him if you haven't been with him before? How will you know Christ in the faces of the, the naked and the sick and the imprisoned and the hungry and the thirsty and the stranger if you don't already know what Christ looks like? And so it is critical for us that we find this time to be together with God, to, to prioritize not just what we do for Jesus, but our chance to be with Jesus. Um, We've said this often, but it, it's helpful for me to think about this sometimes in terms of my relationship with my wife. And um, there are all kinds of things we have to do to run the family, right? We got to plan the birthday celebrations and we got to figure out what we're going to do for dinner and we got to decide who's going to get the oil changed in the car. But we also need some time just to be together, right? And I get so much more joy from, you know, taking my wife's car to get an oil change um, when I'm in love with her than I do when I'm just doing tasks, right? Are you in love with God? Are you spending that time together with Him so that all the rest of your spiritual life stems from the joy of that togetherness? Being with Jesus always comes with a cost. Um, sometimes that cost is, is giving up something that you really want because you know it's not what God wants for you. Sometimes that cost is saying, boy, all of these great things in my life have to become a little bit less important so that Jesus can rise to the top. But there's always a cost. This is captured really powerfully for me in the story of, of Jesus and Nicodemus. I've been watching the show, The Chosen. I've told you about it a few times, and it's a, sort of a reenactment of the, of the life and story of Jesus. And it's not straight out of the Bible, but I feel like it matches the Bible incredibly well. Uh, and there's a scene, uh, actually two scenes, where Jesus meets with Nicodemus right out of the Gospel of John in the third chapter, where we get, of course, the famous line, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He meets with Jesus in an, in an upper room at night under cover of darkness, right? It's, it's a secret meeting because Nicodemus is an important religious figure, and he's not sure yet if he can be seen with Jesus. But he's convinced that Jesus has done things that no human can do. He's convinced that Jesus is um, working for God, maybe may very well the Messiah of God. And so Jesus extends an invitation to him. And I want to just play that scene for you. Here you are. The healer. I understand. 
but the invitation is still open. Think about it. Take your time. On the morning of the fifth day, we leave and we'll meet by the well in the southern quarter. At dawn. There should be everyone. Everyone's here? Yes, this is all of us. Is there anyone else? Look at this. What is that? I don't know. Let's find out. Gold. A friend of mine left that for us. It's enough for two weeks of food and lodging. Go for it to make it to a camp in Tiberius by nightfall. Simon is correct. Let's go. <laughs> that moment so powerfully captures for me the difference between a believer and a disciple. Nicodemus believes in Jesus, he believes in the miracles, he believes he's the one he's been waiting for his whole life. But he's not ready to follow. He's not ready to recognize that being together with Jesus is more important than everything else in his life. So what about us today? What in our lives, bad or good, is keeping us from valuing togetherness with Jesus above everything else? I got to tell you, um, there are no words I would like to hear less from the voice of my Savior then, Jim, you came so close. I was going to talk a little bit about how we um, live into togetherness with, with God, but I think we kind of already know this, right? I, I think we kind of already know what it means to, to be together with Jesus. It means being in prayer on a regular basis with others and on our own. It means studying the Word of God, this incredible love letter that God has written us on our own and with others. It, it means worshiping on our own and with others. It means serving the poor uh, and those in need and those who are downtrodden and oppressed. Um, it means um, all that stuff, right? We, we, we get that. But there is one detail that stands out to me as, as particularly significant as we think about what it means to be together with Jesus. It's interesting for me that this conversation between Jesus, Martha, and Mary uh, is, is a group conversation, right? It's not just Jesus and Mary or Jesus and Martha. There's something about all of them in this moment that changes the nature of what it means to be together, that it's not just about Martha and Jesus. It's not just about me and Jesus, right? We've said this before. It's about we and Jesus. Jesus doesn't train and lead the disciples one-on-one. -on -one. He makes them into a community with Himself as their head. Uh, and on the last night before He is arrested, Jesus gives them a new commandment. Remember these words? Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this the world will know that you are my 
disciples if you have love for one another. I had a conversation with a friend in the church a few months ago who I thought, this was, um, yeah, a number of months ago, who I thought was fairly involved in this weird COVID season. And I knew she was worshiping on a regular basis online, and I knew she'd come to at least two Zoom meetings every month because she was on committees and that sort of thing. And I talked to her on the phone several times, and I thought, okay, here's somebody that in this crazy world of COVID at least is still going to be in the fold, right? And I remember she said, Jim, I just feel so incredibly disconnected. I thought, man, I am, how is that possible? Because we're doing all this stuff. And she said, no, I just don't, I, I feel really disconnected. And I realized, uh, something I already knew, right, which is that the, uh, the value of our community is not in um, listening to the sermon from the pew or from your sofa, right? The value of our community is in the side conversations. It's in the little moments of human interaction. It's in catching up with a friend before or after worship. It's in those sort of human contacts that are so hard to get despite the wonders of modern technology which have given us live streaming and Zooming and whatnot. And and I just want to say in this season, um, I believe, as I've always believed, that safety is important and I want people to be careful but more and more God's showing me the incredible value of our togetherness, right? Of our, of our physical togetherness, of being able to see my friends and, and talk to them before uh, and after a, a committee meeting uh, changes the whole experience for me and for them. And, and I believe there's going to be a temptation for us um, after maybe we feel safer, after um, whatever standards we've set for our re-engagement have passed, there's going to be a temptation to say, boy, it's just so convenient to do this thing from home. Just so convenient to zoom in for this meeting. Boy, it's just so easy. And I think, you know, it, it might be, but Christ calls us to love one another, and part of that is just being together. Uh, and so, um, whatever might be holding us back from that, I just want to encourage us to prayerfully and carefully reflect on what it means for us uh, to to be with Jesus and with each other. Because sometimes when I want to be with Jesus, it's important for me to go off to a quiet place and pray. I just got to be alone. And sometimes when I want to be with Jesus, I got to go to Christ's body. I got to go to be with those people that are Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet. And when I want to encounter Christ, very often I just want to come and be with y'all. So I think for us, as we reflect on this um, COVID world that we live in, Um, we have to realize part of the challenge of being together with Jesus is finding the ways that we can be together with each other and love one another because that's how the world will know that we are not just believers but disciples. So I just want to ask you how you're pursuing togetherness with Christ today. Um, What are you doing to make time and space to be with Him in your life? Um, Where are you bringing Him with you like the red balloon that Amanda had so powerfully uh, into every aspect of your day? Or are you tying Him up and leaving Him behind when you go into those places where it might be awkward to bring Jesus? And what can you do? What cost are you willing to pay today to say, Jesus, 
There is nothing as important to me as being together with you. I hear Jesus today saying to us, church, you are worried and distracted by many things, but there is need of only one thing. Choose togetherness with me, the better part, which will not be taken away from you. Thanks be to God. Amen.